Hey, hi. Welcome to Someone Else's Movie, the original podcast where an actor, writer, director, or nebulous industry figure gives a little love to a movie they didn't make. I'm Norm Wilner, senior film writer for Now Magazine, and this is The Other Thing I Do. My guest this week is Kelly Fife Marshall, a filmmaker whose stark, simple short film, Black Bodies, the latest in a series of socially conscious, artistically charged works, premiered at TIFF in 2020, where Kelly won the inaugural Changemaker Award. Black Bodies went on to appear on Canada's Top 10, and Kelly won the Toronto Film Critics Association's J. Scott Prize for an emerging artist. As a member of the TFCA, I'm pretty happy with that. Black Bodies just premiered on the Crave streaming service in Canada and on iTunes everywhere else, so this felt like a really good time to bring her onto the podcast. Kelly picked Concrete Cowboy, Ricky Staub's 2020 drama starring Caleb McLaughlin as Cole, a troubled kid sent to live with his father Harp in Philadelphia for the summer. And Harp, who is played by Idris Elba, is a cowboy or rather a horseman, who keeps horses in stables in the middle of the city in a deteriorating neighborhood under pressure from developers on one side and the drug trade on the other. So basically this is a western. It's a story of people fighting to keep their land, with a contemporary spin. And Method Man. This is someone else's movie. You know, Carky Cowboy is one of those movies that like the, I saw it at TIFF 2020 and my film Black Bodies was in at the same time and I remember watching the film and being so enamored. I was so in love with this film and I wanted to know everything about it. And so, the, and the more that I found out about the film, the more that I loved it. And just seeing Black folks with 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 horses, I hadn't seen that outside of uh, Jamaica. And seeing them in this urban setting just like blew my mind and it was so beautifully told. And then I ended up reaching out to the director, uh, just DMing him, Ricky, and being like, I love your film. And then he messaged me back and he's like, I love your film. And we've been friends ever since. And so it's been really beautiful to kind of watch it, uh, the film grow from the sidelines. Oh, that's great. Um, I I got to say, I was not, I I found it overstuffed. There's so much going on. Not that I think that's bad necessarily, but the it feels like there are three or four distinct movies that are fighting for prominence the whole mm-hmm. time. Yeah. And it it's like whenever it focuses on on Harp, on, on Elba's character and his ease with, his group of people and how whenever he's with Cole, with his son, all his walls go up. And then the way they all come down when he's around the the other riders, that was the movie I wanted to see more of. I just kept, Mm -hmm. I just kept regretting the fact that it's not about him. It's about the kid. It's a coming of age story. And yeah. And it should have been this love story between the father and son, which is something, yeah, that you kind of crave as you, as you go through it. Yeah. But of course, Cole wants the same thing. Right. So I don't know that mm-hmm. that's necessarily a negative that I'm feeling that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's very true. It's very, very true. And I, there is there is quite a few stories in it. And but this 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 coming of age story, I think like we, we rarely see um, on TV black parents trying to save their children. And it's such a it's a story of so many and, and f- family friends that I know, friends um people that I know it's such it's such a a regular story like you know the world is so unkind especially to little black boys and just seeing them trying to save him we don't get to see it in this in a at least in a romantic way it's very much like this hard in this very harsh way and so I think that was something that also really drew me to it yeah did you know the story of the um the writing club Initially, had you heard any of that? Because the film is a complete fictionalization, uh, but the the setting is real. The surroundings, the situation actually exists. Mm-hmm. No, I didn't know about it at all until, I mean, yeah, I watched the film and then after I did the research and 
it's funny because I ended up doing um, a commercial recently, but it, uh, for the Atlanta, uh, the folks in Atlanta that do the same thing. And so it was beautiful to actually meet those folks and and, and see the horses and stuff. But um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know the story. And I also hadn't read the book. I believe that it's based on a book, yeah. uh, Ghetto Cowboy, I believe. I think that's right. That sounds, yeah, Greg Neri's yeah. book, mm-hmm. um, which is also fiction, right? I mean, it's, it's mm-hmm. the same. This is the story of the novel. Yeah, I believe so. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Again, um, having seen The Dark Tower, what, like two years earlier, mm-hmm. like the image of Idris Elba astride a horse, the band, like it's, he's, he's doing it now. He's making all sorts of movies, like, um, yeah. and the harder they fall, but he looks, so good and so natural. And I guess it's because so many people discovered him on the wire where he was playing, you know, an American character, Stringer Bell, mm-hmm. just the, the contrast of this incredibly magnetic Englishman on a horse as an American cowboy. I just, I love the fact that he can do this over and over and over again and just carry his charisma or steer it into a new, a new sort of mode um, mm-hmm. He's just one of the most incredibly authoritative presences on screen right now. And watching him play someone who is so locked into his moral code that it's working against him, that it's mm-hmm. actually diminishing his opportunities and, and just watching the charisma sort of bang up against itself and, and see him play the limits of it. Um, yeah. Again, yeah, I just wanted the whole movie to be about harp. I just wanted to ride along with him, basically. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. And being British, like growing up in England, I he was on TV all the time. Mm-hmm. And so it's always someone I like grew up watching and just loved. I just love the way that he acts and the way that he approaches characters is such a beautiful, beautiful thing. Yeah. I interviewed him when Pacific Rim came out. We put him on the cover of Now. And mm-hmm. he, we were supposed to meet in San Francisco on the junket, and that didn't happen. He got sick. Um on the press day and was basically oh, they wow. said I could go interview him, but it would be through a bathroom door and nobody wanted that. <laughs> and I know that's not how I want to see Idris Elba. That's not how exactly. I want to experience him. Exactly. So, so I came home, we did a phoner and he said one of the most, just one of the smartest things about acting I've ever heard from anyone. He just said he needs co-stars and directors because he doesn't know what he's doing. Like the way he put it was when I act, I can't see myself and I don't know if it's right. Mm. And his but which is so fascinating in these performances where he plays closed off men yeah because the thing i get from harp more than anything else through all the anger and through all the bluster is his need to connect with the people around him yeah even cool yeah. he doesn't know how to talk to his son but he mm. wants to yeah and that, that yearning is so powerful and he's a lot of actors wouldn't allow for that sort of vulnerability in this character right because he's supposed mm-hmm. to be a Marlboro man, like the image yeah. of someone who who doesn't interact and, and is is his own, like his own universe, his own nation, wherever he goes. And his need to form circles with people and talk to people, it comes through in the way he deals with his horses. And that's where I think Cole gets interesting to me is watching Cole relate on an instinctual level to the horses without knowing how to talk to his dad. It's the one thing they share and they can't articulate it. Yeah. It's so powerful and so simple. Yeah, it's interesting that you say like that's that that's what he said. And I think seeing that bleed through into the characters is is amazing too. And mm-hmm. it's so interesting because you know, you think of Idris Elba as someone who knows it all and isn't that person. And so to, to even hear that vulnerability come out of him is 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 good to hear, especially from an upcoming filmmaker. It's good to know <laughs> that like 
I'm not the only one on set being like, hey, I have no idea what I'm doing today. <laughs> yeah. I, for him, it was the excuse for going off script. Like he'll he'll come mm. close to the lines. He'll he'll find the core of the of the scene. But he said he has to do it his own way. And again, the language is so specific in Concrete Cowboy that it's hard to believe that he's riffing at all, that mm. he's that he's gone off book or mm. off page. Yeah. And it's funny when I was watching it, though, I was thinking that there was there were certain lines that he would say. And I'm like, this is so true to what the character would say. And I was wondering, like, you know, I really want to download the script and read it because is that what was on the, on the page? It feels like something that you would say after being on set for two weeks and not something that was written. And so mm. that's that's interesting to know. Yeah. I mean, the, the man is gold for whoever casts him he just yeah like i i i will follow him pretty much anywhere but watching him on a horse seems to be his happy place these days which yeah. i mean if you get the chance in your 50s to be a cowboy if someone offers you these these parts you're gonna take them right like it makes yeah, perfect exactly. sense exactly especially the beautiful stories he's telling the harder they fall is another beautiful masterpiece yeah i wish i'd seen that in a theater that one felt like a big screen experience yeah, especially just, with the music and the sounds like we yeah, it definitely deserved to be to be to be sitting in the middle of a theater just like with the this, the music booming around you. I'm definitely that's definitely I think one of the things about the pandemic where it's like a lot of these movies that we're watching, they deserve to be in a theater and it just feel we just I just feel so bad as a as a filmmaker. I mean, I've never seen a lot of my films in a in a theater and like I don't get to share it with the audiences. So it's been it's been interesting. Yeah, I saw you. I mean, I saw Black Bodies here and, and Concrete Cowboys and everything else, basically, yeah. um, because that's my life now. But <laughs> yeah, I've introduced a couple of films at TIFF in the Secret Movie Club since this last season started. And it's just so jarring to be back in a room with people. And we're yeah. looking forward to doing another one in February. But it's just, I, I think the first one we did was in November. Can that be mm -hmm. right? And it was really emotional, like to just mm. get up in front of people and and say hi for the first time yeah. in in two years. It was bizarre. Yeah, I've been to I've been to one movie theater during the during this this pandemic season, and it was really like I spent some time like looking around at people, being like, "Oh, we're all here together." Like, yeah, trying to connect with people, which you normally don't do in a theater, and so definitely an interesting experience. Yeah, it's a trust game now, right? Like yeah. everything's fine. We're going to sit together and nobody's going to do anything I don't like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And especially when I got um, COVID, I was I was in the theater two days before for a premiere of a, of a short that I directed. Oh, and man. two days later was sick. So, I mean, we spoke to everybody and nobody got it. And I'm so thankful. But I was just like, now I now I get very nervous about that that situation, right? Oh, you never sure. Know. Yeah. I'd hate to be responsible for anything like that mm -hmm, or even mm -hmm. think I might be, Yeah. but uh, yeah, well, N95 masks and distancing and all the fun stuff. That's exactly. all we can do. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, and then I guess, you know, like it comes back to, to concrete cowboy being a Netflix picture. Most people who mm -hmm. did see it didn't experience it in the theater and, and were, you know, able to do it in isolation or at least mm -hmm. in privacy. Yeah. But again, yeah, I would have loved to see, I would have loved to feel those scenes with a crowd and, and, and to, to feel how individual story threads are working. You know, the, um, the drug dealing stuff is, I get it. It's contemporizing the Western motif. It's just, you know, whatever the equivalent of a posse versus a gang would be. 
mm-hmm. um, in the movie in Harp's head, right? Because I keep coming back to the idea that he really does see himself as a man out of time. Yeah. And Cole, when he arrives uh, in Philadelphia, is sort of just plugged into Harp's movie. Yeah. And doesn't know what to do and doesn't know how to fit in. And it's um, it's weird to watch, or not weird, I guess, but it's it felt deliberately disconnecting within the film to have these mm-hmm. present day cliched scenes of, of mm-hmm. drug dealers and, and standoffs clashing up with the sort of easier, calmer world that Harp has built for himself. But it just reminds you over and over again that Harp's basically living a lie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to watch the way it was directed too, right? Those scenes were directed so differently and, mm-hmm. and they felt so different. And so it was interesting to feel those different worlds and I do like I one thing that I do wish is that the B story was less of the of of um his cousin and more of him and his father. Yeah. It's always weird to watch a movie and to just feel like in your bones that it's the wrong it's just the wrong angle. Mm-hmm, and it doesn't mm-hmm. even make the movie a failure in the way that it tells its story. It's just that I'm constantly sort of craning my neck around to the other side to see if I can pick up on another plot that I'd rather be following. It's, it's mm-hmm. maybe it's just the contrast between um, Caleb McLaughlin's more recessive acting style and, and Elba's bigger presence in the film. Yeah. Like he's, he's the guy who you are supposed to want to follow. He's, he's charismatic and he's interesting, but he also has this entire body of experience in his life that he's not talking about that we just yeah. want to know more of. Yeah. And, Cole is pretty, it's not McLaughlin's fault, but the character is pretty basic. Like he's there mm-hmm. to be uh, redeemed. He's there to find a better path by watching his dad, but I want to watch his dad. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like the story also slows down quite a bit once he's there. And I think that could be something that makes you feel like the characters is, is simpler, but I really enjoyed the way that he, that it, like it felt like you were growing with him. You felt like you were kind of learning this world with him. And so that was something that I was really interested in was like, how am I growing with this character? And even though I want to see all these other characters, I want him, I want to see it through his eyes. You know, I want to see, I want to see Elba, but I want to see it through Cole's eyes. I want him to get closer. And so that kind of draw, uh, drew me to, to where we were. Cause I was like, you know, I, I want you to grow faster. You know, I want you to get involved faster. I want you to learn all of these things faster so we can get there and see this. Yeah. And maybe that's the problem too, because it has to follow a certain path in order to be that story. Mm-hmm. And it it's not the movie's fault, but that narrative is so familiar that mm-hmm. we all know where it's going, right? Like you're ahead of, of, of uh, Cole uh, yeah. and, and Smush too, because Smush is yeah. like, he's doomed from the start because that character, yeah. that's his trajectory. That's his purpose in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it occurred to me too, um, going through it again, in advance of this, it's just like I want Method Man spinoff. Like I want to, yeah. I want to follow Leroy, who is also a modern cowboy in his way, or cowhand mm-hmm. specifically. Um, but he's the he's the guy who has an actual code. He is a he's a cop, right? Like he's yeah. embodying this contradiction of of power and, and oppression, mm-hmm. uh, specifically in his na- in that neighborhood. And and he thinks he's doing the right thing, but he knows he's not. Right. Like he, yeah. or he, he acts as though he is, but he knows he's not. There's something in that performance that's really interesting. This little tug in every scene of, of he probably kind of wants to line up with Harp more than anything else. Mm-hmm. And now, but that, he's definitely my favorite character, you know, seeing this black cop 
dealing with black folks and like you said knowing that that struggle that internal struggle and where you want it to be but where it actually is mm. was 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 interesting and yeah i i love that at the end he picks the the side we want him to pick yeah. but there the the moments where you feel like he's not going to especially when um they break into and get the horses and then he shows up you're like yes. oh this is it he's definitely going to portray them and and knowing that he's going to pick I think it was a moment of of win that, that black folks don't get to see movies too often. And so that's something that I enjoy. But I, yeah, I love Method Man. And his acting that he's been doing recently has been really beautiful. Yeah, there's something going on with him. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's, maybe it's just, you know, sticking around long enough in, in the acting side of things where he's just, mm-hmm. he's starting to use his, how can I put it? He's using the audience's expectations of uh, of him against us. Mm-hmm. He's just like tacking in a different direction based on his entire, like he brings his whole history with him in every role. Yeah. I think it's like age and like wisdom. Mm. And it's, 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 it's great to see it because, you know, you didn't expect that. And especially like a lot of rappers didn't even make it to be one. They didn't make it. Uh, they weren't alive. Or yeah. secondly, they, they weren't able to navigate their career for this long. And so the fact that he's been able to transform this like hood rap star into this actor is 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 an amazing thing to see because you don't we don't get to see it like I mean the only person I can think of before that is really like LL Cool J I don't really know and then he wasn't even the hood rap star I don't really know who else there would be but but watching him grow and like mature and 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 gain all this wisdom and become this really great and not like act as a rapper mm-hmm. is is interesting The only other people I can think of are like Ice T and Ice Cube, and yeah, they, I was thinking about Ice-T. they like box themselves into careers yeah. specifically as actors. Like Cube yeah. is only doing comedies now, and mm-hmm. Ice T has been on Law and Order forever. Forever, yeah, and, and it's it just, so interesting because of how Ice T started and to where to yeah. where he ended. <laughs> um, yeah, but to see the different roles Method Man is playing is yeah, is really great. Yeah, and casting him feels like a little triumph too for the movie too, because mm-hmm. you need someone who's as magnetic. It's Timothy Oliphant and, and Walton Goggins and Justified, right? Like they're playing mm-hmm. archetypes who can still relate to each other as yeah. people. Yeah. And sort of and tease wanna, each you other. You want to love him. I yeah. think if it was a different, if it was a different actor, you wouldn't want to. Yeah. He I, brings I, his charisma to the role. Yeah. And I can't think of a lot of people who could face down Idris Elba on a charisma yeah. off and, yeah. and still like call it a draw. Exactly. Exactly. That's very, very true. I never thought of it like that. But yeah. it's true. That's why he can hold his own in, in the scenes. Yeah. And it's, it's the, like, they both have this incredible confidence in their own presence. Mm -hmm. And I, the more I think about it, like, it feels like, uh, like Leroy, like Method Man's character is the version of Harp who succeeded, but Mm -hmm. he sold out. Like he doesn't, Leroy doesn't understand he sold out to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And Harp sees him for who he is the same way Mm -hmm. Leroy sees through Harp. Yeah. And so in the end, when they're, like it is, it's the man who shot Liberty Valance, right? Like it's the yeah. two people in it ending up together on the same side, even though they, yeah. they have no shared goals or, or ambitions. They just happen to be right about this one thing. They're, that's very true. Yeah. They, they're uniting on, on this, this one need together. Yeah. And it's about the community, right? Like they're actually mm-hmm. serving their people from mm-hmm. both, from both sides. Mm-hmm. And they, this... and they've come at it in a different way. And the, yeah, the way that they're, yeah, that's very, very true. I never even thought of it like that. 
but yeah. it's definitely like this this need for community and and being there for your community and the way that Leroy decides to do it is a way that we think is betrayal but in a way in his way thinks that he's doing the best for his community yeah mm. yeah and Cole gets to pick the side right like he gets to choose where he's going to take his life based on the mm-hmm. examples that he's just seen which is yeah the Western and the coming of age, like it's Shane. I keep coming up with all of these references from the fifties and sixties. And I, I'd love to talk to like literally everybody on this movie about which yeah. one they were carrying with them. Cause it feels like they're all in there and they're all sort of fighting for prominence. Maybe that's mm-hmm. why it feels overstuffed. There's all these influences that are, uh, that are all also profoundly white influences. Yeah. Yeah. Pushing it yeah. at each other. And that's, that's interesting. And obviously the director is a white male too. Yeah. I wanted it's to always, ask about that. I, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, for me, when I when I watched like when I watched Waves, I was really upset that the director was a white male. Mm-hmm. Um, but with this one, I was like, you know, I, that, as soon as I started talking to him, I was like, listen, you're a white man. Like, talk to me about how we got here. Um, and I think one of the things that really drew me to him as a person was like his need was also for community. You know, he was doing all of this for community. One of the things that like his film production house is known for is they hire ex-cons within okay. philadelphia and so he like takes ex-con to a predominantly black because of the system in the u.s sure. and helps them get into film careers and then he hires them on sets and stuff like that so a lot of the um the people on the crew were ex-cons who were like you know uh reestablishing their livelihood and and then when he was the actors i think like 75 percent of the actors are um real people from the community also. Yeah. I, I had heard about that. And um, a couple of them are just like incredibly vivid performers. Mm-hmm. Um, was it, uh, I'm sorry, I want to get the name right. It was, was it Devaney Young or Ivana Mercedes who was the, the actual writer? I think it was Ivana Mercedes. Yeah. She plays Isha. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. she was like, it felt like a discovery. It felt like I wanted to see her do more stuff. She's yeah, just yeah. a really interesting physical presence. And she had great delivery. Like she just snaps her lines mm-hmm. off and to hold your own with people who are that, like that polished and, and good yeah. is really something. Yeah. For me as a director, you know, I, I, in my past work, I've always used non-actors, but mm-hmm. that, that performance was very profound. And I was like, you know, how do you find that? Because it's very specific. It's not like just, you know, a black woman in Philly, but it's a black woman in Philly who who's a like who rides horses in that very specific community. Yeah. And so like it's crazy to find that. And and I wonder if she's continuing to act or if she's just still riding horses. It'd be so interesting to see like if her career blossoms or if she enjoyed it and has decided to like move into that for sure. Yeah. I mean that's that's almost another movie pitch in itself, right? Someone who has yeah. their life changed by an encounter like that where they're they're yeah. pulled completely out of their orbit to be themselves. And push back in. I guess the same thing happened with No Man Land too. Like most yeah. of those casts, most of that cast is not professional. Yeah. But yeah, it's just it's rare that so much is going on, and you can pluck all these things out of them and say, "This is great. This is great. This person, I want to, I want to follow this person off on her own movie." Yeah, yeah. And it's alive. You know, I say this all the time. I'd rather see a movie with more ideas than not enough. Yeah, hundred. So there's that. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many, there's, there is like, now that I think about it and speaking with you, 
so many different parts of the movie where I'm like, you know, this would be cool. This would be cool. I definitely, um, I want to know more about the horses and I want to know more about the history of the horses. I think there was a, a documentary that accompanied it, but I never, I haven't watched it, but I, I like, I want to know more about the history and like who decide, like, I, I, I think they do touch on like the stables were built first and then the community was built after. So that would be an, another interesting story. Yeah. I mean, it feels like there's a whole movie in, in just the scene around the fire where Harp talks about the history of cowhands and mm-hmm. how they were just erased from the Westerns that this film, like like every Western is drawing on because they it's this invented folklore. Like the, the mythology of America is is the movies, is the stuff, yeah. that, the stuff we've all yeah. been sort of immersed in. Mm-hmm. And then you see and it's people- funny growing up, like as a, as as black folks, like we're always told, like, oh, the original cowboys were black, but we're never given any more information. So we've kind of known, but never the the true the true story or the real, yeah, the gems behind it. And so to even hear that and to hear that it was like it makes sense, and to hear where it's coming from is beautiful. Yeah, I've I was amazed. There was a there was this window of time. It was maybe six months of time where Bass Reeves' name came up over and over again. Uh, the 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 black man who was the Lone Ranger, who's basically yeah. the inspiration for the white Lone Ranger. Uh, he's mentioned in Watchmen. He's mentioned in the DC series Legends of Tomorrow on the CW. And I think they mentioned him in, in Concrete Cowboy as well by name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like that knowledge has been around for 150 years. And suddenly it's okay to talk about it. And yeah. like, how does that happen? What what has to change? Is it that is it that Black people are finally telling their own stories because all three of those things were produced or directed by white people, but mm-hmm. the story's coming out. I th- there, there's definitely a shifting going on because you you do see it in, especially the Watchman. Like the Watchman really has really shifted culture in and and telling the truth of what of what black stories are. And so mm-hmm. it's been interesting, but there's definitely a shift. I think even with the fact that the harder they fall comes out like straight. It came out like what a year or year after right yeah yeah last fall. cowboy comes out in 2020 and this came out in 2021 and so it's so interesting that all of a sudden we we're seeing these black cowboys everywhere now and hearing the stories and the history more and more and so yeah there's there's been a shift i've been thinking about this quite often because I, there was also a commercial that i saw it on mm-hmm. and another like series that i saw that, that i saw the mention on and so yeah it would be interesting to know what that shift is and and if it was intentional. Yeah, you always want to find out, like, did somebody write a book? Did something get published? Was there some spark, you know, the same mm-hmm. way Braveheart is the reason Gladiator exists and Last mm-hmm. of the Mohicans is the reason Braveheart exists? There's always something, there's always an inciting incident in the real yeah. world. We don't like to believe yeah. that because we're not supposed to be predictable, but there's always a reason <laughs> to do stuff. Exactly, exactly. So you had mentioned that you've gotten to know Ricky Staub. Um, so, yeah. Does he talk about the color different? Does he talk about being a white man directing a black story? Did you, have you brought that up? Yeah, I think for him, um, because he's from a similar community and the work that he does, but he doesn't, he never, um, it's never his story to tell. You know, he speaks quite a bit, um, I think in even interviews about being surrounded by the community and learning from the community and growing as he makes the film and and never is never like, this is my story. I'm going to tell it. And I think that's such an important thing. You know, ego um, plays, plays a big thing and, and learning about this community is, is important. And, you know, we're in a place now where, you know, I think 
we're speaking about different races telling stories of different races and races. And I think more than not, it's not about the color of your skin, but it's more about the culture that you know. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it's it's being immersed in those cultures and being able to tell those stories culturally, as opposed to it being like this is a black story. And for so for so long, that's what the difference has been. Like for you to tell a story about a culture you know nothing about and kind of to without immersing yourself in that culture, like he immersed himself in the Philly culture for two years before he even made the film while he was writing it. And so I think that's so important. Um, I think even Denzel Washington talks about that. You know, it's not about having a black director. It's about having a director that understands the culture of the film. And so there's been a lot of debate about it, but I think kind of that's where I stand. I think for me, it's about understanding what that culture is and being able to um, immerse yourself. And like black folks get to direct these stories that are only white folks because we've been in the media for so long. We've, we've been immersed in white culture our whole lives, you know? So we understand it. We get to, we get to tell these stories. And so I think it's important that like, like you do the work along with immersing yourself. For me, it's like, what are you giving back to the community? Are you just taking? And that's something that I do with my stories. It's important that, yeah, I I take the story, but also what am I giving back to the community? Yeah. I think that's really the thing I can always tell as a viewer right mm-hmm. is is just how closely how can i put this i think about movies like beasts of the southern wild and even what was the last one oh the last black man in san francisco where mm-hmm. you're watching someone's idea of ethnography like mm-hmm. he's he's a spectator he's framing everything it's an exoticism that's applied yeah. to it's also class too right because yeah. these are always guys with money who come in and and look down on, or sorry, they don't think they're looking down on the underclass that they see, but they perceive Mm -hmm. them as that. And so they become strange and magical and different. And Mm -hmm. I find those things, they give me hives. They're just like, it's insufferable to watch people be othered by the lens of the story. Because you feel like you're watching somebody through their window. You know, that's, that's how you feel when you're watching these movies. You're like, why do I feel like I'm not involved in this? Why do I feel like I'm not involved in this story? And it's because they don't know the culture, so they can't immerse you into it. They have to look at it through that lens. Yeah. And they're applying all these stylistic devices to, I think the, they think they're bringing us closer to the experience, but what they're really telling us is I couldn't just put the camera down and shoot these people. You can't, yeah. you wouldn't understand. So yeah. here's music and here's sparkly noise and, and, oh, I've just, and I'm the one yeah. who always gets yelled at at the end for saying like for saying that it's like no it's a it's an inspiring story it's like well it doesn't it could just be a story it could just be yeah. a people story yeah we don't have to romanticize the suffering because that's what you feel we need to do yeah and what you get in Concrete Cowboy is the camera just being with people like again mm-hmm. I, I always come back to that scene around the campfire because it's yeah. so weird to see a campfire in the middle of a city like it's yeah. just it it's, it's acknowledging the surreality of the location and the experience without ever condescending to the experience. I mean, we get to see it through Cole's eyes and he doesn't get it. Yeah. But within 30 seconds, we understand because Mm -hmm. we're there because it's just happening. Yeah. Yeah. And you feel like, I I feel like the, um, the campfire scenes, I feel like I'm sitting at the campfire. Yeah. You know, I feel like I'm turning to each person being like, so what's your story? Like, what's next? Like you add on to that. Like I, that's definitely something I felt um, as they were, as they were kind of sharing their stories. 
And some of them are real, right? Because these are yeah. the real people. They're just, they're playing versions of themselves. Yeah, exactly. And just existing. Yeah. And you get Elba, who's sort of acting as the host and the ringmaster and all of it, mm-hmm. just casually letting other people take the center. He seeds space so well for someone who's yeah. so commanding and so dynamic. Mm-hmm. That I think that's something he's definitely had to learn to do because he does it very well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also he can just turn his head like a quarter of an inch and suddenly pull focus <laughs> from everybody else in space just because he, yeah. he, can, he can just pull the camera to him with his eyes. Mm-hmm. I still never met him in person. I, wish, you know, I would have taken the bathroom door experience. <laughs> just to see him through the, the cracks of the door. Right? Just to hear the timbre of his voice, right? Like it's not the yeah. same over the phone. That's definitely that's definitely one of the goals. I'm manifesting it today. <laughs> Gonna, I'm gonna work with uh, Idris Elba. Do the sure. sequel. Do the sequel. Figure out where they yeah. go. Yeah, definitely. Just him and uh, Method Man fighting crime. <laughs> Horseback riding through Philly streets. I would It'll watch happen. that. I would watch that show. Yeah. Yeah. I like wonder if he's sick of being on horseback now, though. That would be interesting to see if he feels like you know that's not what he wants to do anymore. Yeah, and it's like it's been a, it's like. They, you could look back 20 years from now and this would be the horse era. There was yeah. like three back-to-back projects. Maybe that's it. Maybe he wants to do it while his back is still holding up. <laughs> and like talking about him for Bond again. And it's like, don't do that. Yeah. His knees will be shot. Don't do this to yourself. Exactly. And does he want to? I don't know. Like, I don't think he wants to fall into that shadow. I think he wants to kind of create his own. Yeah. I definitely think after, certainly after the Hobbs and Shaw thing, I think he wants yeah. to be his own superhero. He, he's yeah. got, he's got the attitude. He's got the, he's got the poise. He can do whatever yeah. the hell he wants. He doesn't need to be yeah. nailed down to five more Bond movies. Exactly. It's so true. <laughs> so this is an odd pivot. Um, Cause we always end the, the podcast by asking what if the movie that we're talking about, have you borrowed or lifted or, or outright stolen for your own work? I don't really see how you can use anything from Concrete Cowboy, but yeah, the fact that you're talking to Ricky Stogg means there's thoughts and processes going on. Is there anything that you do want to use in the future? It's interesting. I wrote um, my feature that I'm working on at right now uh, that we're about to film in Jamaica. I wrote when it's called When Morning Comes, and it's mm-hmm. about a little black boy who uh, who lives in Jamaica and finds out that he's being sent uh, for a better life to live in Canada. And there's so many similarities between concrete cowboy and that film and so when i first saw it i i like that was one of the messages i was like this is crazy and so like i've spoken to ricky about it and so i don't think i it's just it's beautiful to see like the the thought process i had like different scenes it was not necessarily in the story in any way but there's different scenes that i've written that visually are similar to um concrete cowboy and so i literally watched it and was like hmm i don't think that's gonna work for mine anymore i think that that is gonna work and so it's been a great case study for me for free to learn and, and before my first feature. Yeah, it's like either it's confirmation that you're on the right track mm-hmm. or, oh, hell, someone just did this and I can't. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think it's definitely forced me to grow as a, as a filmmaker, like to watch it and be like, mm, you know what? He's done it. How can I how can I elevate my mind? Um, and, and we were supposed to film our film last year, but the pandemic had other things. And so filming it this year has forced me to grow. And so I don't think there's anything I'll, I'll take, but I, there is this, uh, it has forced me to grow as a filmmaker for sure. Nice. I mean, there are so many people who've told me the same thing in the last year, which is that the time they've lost to the pandemic has actually helped them. I mean, I think you kind yeah. of have to say that at some point or yeah. else you'll just lose your mind, but 
It's got to be right. Like everybody says that in prep, there's not enough time. So now you have an extra year or two years, even of nothing but prep. Like when Nightmare Alley shut down in March, they mm-hmm. didn't start up again until September, and they spent six months refining the first half of the film because that's yeah. what they hadn't shot yet. And I'm fascinated by this because it's got to be terrifying. Mm-hmm. Like to know that you might not even finish or you might not even start. But, yeah. but the only place you can put that energy, right? It has to be into making the film better. Yeah, it, it was it was scary because for us, it was like, you know, we'll just continue. The, the pandemic is still happening, but we could continue safely. But then the flight shut down and we were like, oh, we can't continue. And so for us, it was kind of all of our, like my team and I, uh, it was it was kind of all of our big our big next project. Mm-hmm. And so to think about like what if we move on to other things does that make that the next big project and you know mentally kind of readjust yourself. But it definitely like we've we've all grown so much, and it also has like made so much room for black bodies to do so much better, because um, it's kind of had its own room to grow. I think juggling all of those projects at the same time would have been crazy. Um, and yeah, I was able to do another short film in the meantime called Omi with 20th Century. Uh, and it's a horror film and something that I never thought that I would be doing. But, you know, a lot of people say my short films are horrifying. And so it, it was interesting to kind of step into this new genre um, and, and get to dabble with Black folks in horror films. Oh, wow. All right. I can't wait to see that. Yes, <laughs> it's coming soon. Great. Throw me the video link when we're done. It'll be good. Yeah, definitely. Uh, no, I, I, yeah, I, I look forward to it. And um, yeah, and best of luck. And, and so when what is currently the, the plan for, for the feature? When are you hoping to shoot? Uh, we, we film in March um, for a month. We're in Jamaica. And then we uh, film the other scene in Before We Go, uh, the Canadian scene Before We Go. And then hopefully it's premiering at a film festival this year. I'll keep an eye out for it. Fingers crossed. My thanks to Kelly Fife Marshall, whose short film Black Bodies is now streaming on Crave in Canada and available on iTunes everywhere else. It's four minutes long, it's incredibly powerful, and you should see it. Thanks also to Ali Lamare Shedden. She knows what she did. You can find Kelly on Twitter at DirectedByKells. That's all one word, K-E-L-L-S. And you can find Concrete Cowboy streaming on Netflix. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Norm Wilner and elsewhere on the internet at NowToronto.com, where I host the Now What podcast every Friday and write far too many words about movies and television. And you can find this podcast on Twitter at Semcast, S-E-M-Cast, and on the web at SomeoneElsesMovie.com. Our theme song is by The Last Year. If you like it, or the show in general, please say so. Leave a review wherever you've been enjoying us. Every little bit helps. It truly does. And check out the other shows on the Frequency Podcast Network while you're there. Stay safe. Watch movies. Wear a mask if you go out. Get your booster when you can. I'll see you next time.